the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Craig Needles. It is the London Free Press Podcast, and we are once again fortunate enough to be joined by Jennifer Beeman because... Well, health stories just keep happening in this community. We've talked a lot of COVID-19, obviously, but today I want to talk about the supervised consumption site, which is going ahead in downtown London. Of course, we've done a lot of reporting about that at the London Free Press. Jennifer, thank you very much for giving us a couple of minutes to talk about this today. Glad that you could do it. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so let's just get right into it. We heard today from from Dr. Chris Mackey and from various uh, authorities that the provincial government has agreed to fund the supervised consumption site in downtown London, the permanent one. We've got a temporary one on King Street, but this would be the permanent one on York Street. Tell us more about the story. So this thing has been a tug of war for years. You have opponents saying, you know, they don't want it at 446 York Street, the former John Ballone's music store. And you have the health unit and regional HIV AIDS connection, which runs the site on King Street that we're so all in on this location. And they had lots of community support as well. The police service board, many others really stepped up to say this is our spot. Um, So basically what happened today was the province said, yes, 446 York Street, just for you guys. We'll give you the funding to do it. Um, and the capital costs. So it's estimated about 1.2 million will be needed to retrofit that space into uh, one of these supervised drug use sites. That is absolutely fantastic to hear because the way that these sites work and that they operate is you can't be in a, a situation where you are essentially you are wondering, hey, are we going to have this next week? Are we going to still be able to do this going forward here? That wonder has has gone away now for the Middlesex London Health Unit and for the regional HIV-AIDS connection. And that's a very good thing just to have that stability going forward because the, the, the temporary site on King was just that temporary. So they have some stability now and that's what they're excited about, right? Absolutely. You know, this site at King Street, the temporary site, opened in February of 2018, and it was really an emergency thing. It was like, people are dying, we need an overdose prevention site. And then it was sort of strung along with last minute reprieves of funding here and there. And then we got a new provincial government in that was a little more early on skeptical of these sites. Um, but now this is that sort of stability that they need, um, which is is really, I mean, they're very, very happy to have this news. It's been so long in the making. Um, Council approved the rezoning of 446 York Street in December of 2018, but then it was taken to a land use planning tribunal by opponents. And then the land use planning tribunal sided with the city and they tried to appeal that. So it's been a very, very contentious long battle here. And and this um, is definitely the news they were looking for, the, uh, the supporters of the site. What have you heard from health officials today to start? We'll talk about city officials in a second, but what have health officials been saying today about this news? Well, for health officials, it just feels like it's it's finally here, right? They've been talking about this harm reduction model for years. Since 2013, Dr. Mackey was saying on the announcement this morning, they've wanted this for a long time. They got, you know, a, a good foothold, a good start in it in February of 2018 with the overdose prevention site at King Street. But it really, like you said, lacked that kind of long-term, long-range focus. And also King Street is a very small place. It was where the needle exchange was being run out of. So, you know, it's it's not a very big place that can have a lot of extra support. So they're, they're absolutely thrilled the province has finally said, yes, 
make this happen. Um, now COVID has kind of changed a few things and made everything a little more difficult, but they're looking at maybe a spring construction and a late fall of 2021 open. So it's still a little ways to go because you can't just snap your fingers and have a, a health facility like this up and going and ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to need to be a lot of uh, renovations there. $1.2 million was what they were saying in capital costs. I mean, it's an old music store, so it's going to need a lot mm -hmm. of updates, um, spaces for people to safely uh, inject drugs with supervision, um, plus all those extra supports that there just isn't space for at the King Street site. So housing supports, social services supports, um, you, know, you know, addiction treatment and services and those kinds of things that they really, really want to um, make, obviously, a big priority. And they should want to make those things a big priority because that's kind of the point of this entire exercise here is you want to have, again, something stable, something with some level of stability, something that works and something that really is just... Uh, not just a service where plate people can go and, and, and use uh, consumption drugs. That's part of it. But you also want to have, like you said, the words wraparound services. That's a big deal for them. Making sure that if someone says, hey, I want some help with my addiction or, hey, I want to be able to do this or wh whatever it happens to be, those options are there for them. And that's what they wanted to make sure happened here. Well, and that's the big part of the provincial funding as well. Um, when they when they've agreed to kind of make these places become a thing, uh, they really really want those supports. And there are still supports happening at King Street, mm -hmm. but this will just allow more hands on kind of stuff, the space to do it, um, which is I mean they're they're really happy. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be it's a it's been a long time coming. So there's almost a sense of like relief that this milestone is finally passed. You mentioned that there is some sort of, there were some backlash here. There were some people who, quite frankly, just did not want to have this uh, go where it was or even have these in the city at all. What types of arguments were, were they making to planning tribunals and to, to, to politicians? Yeah, so you had people that approved the rezoning of the site. Um, they took it to the provincial land use tribunal that adjudicates these matters. Um, there were four four groups, four neighbors. Um, they they took issue with how close the site would be to schools, um, just with, with lots of other sort of things in that neighborhood. They were just very concerned about safety and traffic and foot traffic and proximity to schools and other places. Um, you know, in a strongly worded decision, the land use planning tribunal said, um, you know, did not did not agree with the opponents. Said that it was a great spot, um, that it met all the requirements, that it was a okay. Um, one, the next door neighbor of the site is kind of, doesn't think the building is necessarily suitable. It's on a busy road, um, concerned for her own safety, her own, you know, property damage and things and increased foot traffic. So those are the big complaints from opponents, um, that they've been levying for, you know, several years since this place, since the spot was announced. And of course, that spot, as you said, uh, has, has been the, the, the source of some controversy. But it's, I, I think, good for the city and good for just the community in general that we sort of know what the path is now. We know where this is going. We know how it's going to operate going forward as opposed to this sort of cloud of mystery that this thing's been operating under. Now, 
some people would tell you, hey, we don't want a supervised consumption site in London at all. But health officials have said, hey, the research is in on this and it, it's going to help. We've seen in Vancouver and other communities that there's been positive impact in those places. What would doctors and, and medical professionals who deal with addictions tell you about the value of a supervised consumption site and why it makes sense for a community like London to have one? Well, we've really seen it here. We've done a lot of infectious disease experts in the city. Uh, in the pre-COVID era, we're doing a lot of research on, you know, intravenous drug kind of side effects, illnesses, things that go along with it. And one of them was endocarditis, which is a really brutal, terrible heart infection. It can be fungal, it can be bacterial. And they were finding that, you know, the way in which people were sharing, sharing drugs, sharing drug paraphernalia was really contributing to this really, really horrible um deadly and if not deadly then certainly debilitating disease and so they started studying this researching it they found interventions they they got the word out that if you just light your wash before you inject that it can really kill these bacteria so we've seen it in london it's had definitely a, a reduction in disease um endocarditis being one but it, hepatitis c so there's all kinds of these sort of public health community um issues that can really be stemmed addressed um you know, put in the right direction uh, with a site like this, where you're reaching out to people, where you're meeting them where they're at, where you're saying, you know, here's what, you know, would be a safer way to do what you're doing. And so we've already seen it just on a micro level here with just those, um, you know, other health officials. We, we hand out 3 million clean needles here in London uh, a year, which is one of the highest rates in Canada. And you know, they, they've seen for years that this is a, certainly a very pressing issue and um, so that they would they're very supportive of the harm reduction method and um, this site. And I'm glad to hear that that is uh, that is the case, uh, because, look, I've, I've looked at a lot of this myself. I've talked about this quite a bit for a long time. Uh, the more you look into it, the more you realize that there is a cost savings to this as far as the uh, uh, lack of impact on the, the healthcare system. There's definitely a, uh, uh, a savings as far as number of people's lives who can get saved by a facility like this. And I don't think anyone's telling us that, oh, this means there's going to be no more overdoses in the city of London. No one believes that. But if we can limit the number of overdoses by even a couple a year, and if we can limit the number of people who get HIV or hepatitis by even a couple a year, uh, we've come out ahead morally and financially at the same time it feels like those things are wins and that's what that's what health officials are, are going for here right sure absolutely you know and, and that was that's kind of the goal all along is harm reduction we can't necessarily just snap our fingers and stop people from using drugs right. that's just something that's going to be the way it's going to be um, what we can do is we can reach them try to get to them try to build trust with them through a site like this where there isn't judgment there isn't stigma where you can kind of meet them where they're at um, and, and just sort of work with them figure out their goals. Maybe they have a goal, you know, and that's, that's really the ethos when you speak to these harm reduction people like I have over the years is they're, they're really about building connections and relationships and a site like this allows them to do that. And, and that's really what they see. One of the biggest values they see in this is just the ability to reach these people who might otherwise just not be able to, you know, be reached. Uh, your piece is up on uh, lfpress.com right now. Uh, it's entitled, uh, the headline at the very least is Queen's Park Clears Way for Permanent Supervised Drug Use Site. And you can go take a look at that. Uh, again, uh, the, it's at the old Balones Music Store if you're wondering uh, uh, where that's going to be. So that's at 446 York Street. 
Uh, as this has gone through the system here, uh, clearly there have been some delays when it comes to COVID and things along those lines, just because sort of the world kind of stopped spinning for a little while with COVID. But you said earlier that they're hoping to be up and operating uh, late next year, I guess, is the, uh, uh, is the hope. And that's what's in your piece here. It is. Yeah. So they're, they're working with the province right now to secure that capital funding. Uh, once they get that, they'll need to go to tender, get a building plan together, all the permits, everything in order. Uh, the hope, what they were saying today, was that they'll be done. Uh, they'll be they'll be you know starting construction by the spring with a late fall opening. Um, you know things can change. Things are fluid with COVID, but that's at least what they've got in mind and what they they really hope for the site. Yeah, I uh, I hope the very same thing. Just because. Uh... We want this thing to be happening, and I know that we can't just snap our fingers and all of a sudden have a supervised consumption site, but we want this to get going. Um, do you think that this is going to be the only one of these we have? I know that the, during the previous election, there was talk about you know mobile sites and, and, and things along those lines. Do you think that the uh, uh, debate or, or discussion about this type of site uh, uh, will continue in London as far as perhaps expansion here? Is that something health officials have alluded to at all during this process? Uh, you know, 100%, I think we're going to end up with uh, another type of site. Mobile site has been talked about for years and years. It's one big thing that they kept their eye on for a long time. It wouldn't necessarily be difficult for them to pull off. They could get the, you know, if they can get the funding, if they can get sort of the, the approvals in place, it could be something they could launch to run out of the permanent site. So I, I would I would say that the mobile site would be certainly likely. Uh, it's something they've signaled in the past. And once they have this permanent hub up and running, and once this hurdle is being cleared, um, then certainly I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw uh, at least a mobile site, if not another site in London down the road. And and part of it's going to be, you would think, the success of this one, if this one is successful. Now, we've seen with the site at 186 King, the temporary overdose prevention site, we've seen some very specific and very obvious successes. We haven't talked about that as much just because public health is kind of tied up with some other things. But we've seen some very specific and very obvious successes there. So one would think and one would hope we might see the same at 446 York, right? Yeah, they've reversed overdoses. They've sent people for referrals. They've really just built connections with people. They've got people into treatment, connected them with housing and other social support. So, um, you know, they've been really championing that for years. It's only been around for two years, but yet they've still managed to do a lot. Um, they call it CarePoint now. CarePoint's being studied by other municipalities as sort of one of these success stories of ways to really um, make harm reduction a thing. Uh, our Face It series, we did a lot with sort of some of the frontline workers there and, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been one of those things. I used to write about it so much before COVID. And then uh, the pandemic happened, and it seems like COVID is all I do now. But um, yeah, it was really one of those things that London's harm reduction community was really proud of. And its public health team was really, really proud of. So uh, I see no reason why it can't translate to success at the new site. Yeah, I, uh, I, I suspect it will as well. Um, the regional HIV AIDS connection, I know that we mentioned them earlier, but what's, what's, what's their involvement with this? I know that I've, t I've spoken to Brian Lester about this project many, many times, and he's uh, been an incredible advocate for it. Tell me about their involvement in this and, and, and why they're part of this and not just the Middlesex London Health Unit. Yeah, so way back when they were running, they still do actually, the needle syringe exchange program. And then um, they they were kind of a natural choice to run the temporary site at 186 King. So it was a really, really good thing, um, a good match. They stepped right up to get that done. Um, they are, they'll be running the site at 446 York in conjunction with their community partners, Addiction Services, Thames Valley, and Middlesex London Health Unit, um, and the Intercommunity Health Center as well. So there's all kinds of agencies that are really, really piled on here. Um, but yeah, Regional HIV AIDS Connection runs the site, the Needle Exchange Program at 186 King. 
Um, and they've just been really vocal advocates for harm reduction. And uh, they've really increased their profile in recent years on that topic, too. Yeah, and, and, and as they should, and I'm glad they've done that. Uh, before we wrap up here, Jen, anything else that is going to happen locally? Now that the provincial approval has come, is there any other debates that have to happen locally at council? Is there, are there other hurdles here, or are we good to go? Is this thing happening? It's just a matter of sort of getting it, uh, getting it up and going now. Well, they'll need building permits, and they'll need a building plan, and all those kinds of little back-end things that, you know, any person who's ever built anything would know about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, other than that, it's it's pretty much in the clear for now. Um, you never know if these opponents, though, they could try to, you know, create strife or difficulty. Um, they've spent several years fighting it, so I wouldn't be surprised if we heard something from them. Um, but as far as legal options, I mean, they can't, the, the courts didn't give them leave to appeal the local planning tribunal decision that ruled against them. So, um, you know, right now it's it's kind of just on track to be something that, that goes through. Well, I hope that's uh, exactly what happens because I think that, again, COVID's kind of derailed this, but you used to be writing about this all the time. I know that I was talking about it all the time and different things that I've done, tweeting about it all the time, and it sort of like took our focus away from this. But I'm glad that we can now shift the focus to, hey, let's get this thing up and going as opposed to are we even going to have this thing? And I think, again, that's a good thing for the community. It's a good thing for the, the people who have advocated for this. So congratulations to them. Yeah, well, so many deaths, too, from yeah, opioids. I mean, um, just this year, we've had almost as many as all of last year in the first half of 2020. Um, so it, it's not a problem that's going away. Uh, it's a problem that's getting worse. Hospitalizations, you know, emergency department visits, uh, overdose deaths. So, you know, it, it's something that this community needs and, and certainly something that health officials are, are very happy is finally in motion. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm quite happy about it as well. We'll uh, we'll have to leave it there just because we're uh, up against the clock. We've uh, already been uh, chatting for quite a bit here, but uh, Jen, this was uh, fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us for the the second consecutive episode that we we might as well just rebrand it the Craig and Jen podcast. Uh, but uh, thank you very much for doing that. Was there anything else that uh, you're going to be watching or want us to add uh, uh, about the story before we wrap up here? You know, no, I think it's really you know a good a good thing for London that this is finally there's some movement on this uh, certainly important issue. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's good that we finally got uh, finally got something going as well. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for doing this as always. Uh, uh, glad to talk to you, and we will uh, chat with you very soon. Perhaps not the very next episode, but I'm sure we will chat with you soon on the London Free Press podcast. Excellent, thanks. That's uh, Jennifer Beeman, London Free Press health reporter, joining us here on the London Free Press podcast, which, of course, you can subscribe to on Stitcher or Spotify. Also, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Make sure to listen to us there. Plus, you can find us on the homepage of LFPress.com. And you can take a look for us on YouTube as well, which many of you are doing. And thank you very much for that. We will be uh, at you with another episode later in the week. Thanks again for listening to this podcast breakdown of the big news surrounding the supervised consumption site uh, approval by the provincial government here in London. And once again, uh, more London Free Press podcast coming later in the week. Thank you for listening to today's edition.